for investing in Central Texas, which I think is the best market in the country to be investing. So that that alleviates some concern. And we're buying in good locations within that. So, you know, if and when the the economy slows down, the music stops. You can argue it may not stop here if it stops elsewhere, uh, but it also is going to bounce back because we're we're in good spots. Not- Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hey, we've got the North Star Real Estate Conference coming April 24th and 25th in Minneapolis. And this conference is going to be for everyone. We're covering the gamut of real estate. If you are just beginning, this conference is for you. If you have 100, 200, 500 units, this conference is for you. If you want to get into commercial real estate, this conference is for you. And the best part about the North Star Real Estate Conference is the networking. The networking is phenomenal. We've got high performers there. We've got amazing speakers and amazing attendees that are going to be adding a ton of value to your business. We can't wait to see you there April 24th and 25th. Check it out. I'll see you there. Hello and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexter. I'm with me. I'm excited to have Andrew Campbell. Andrew, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Todd. How are you? I am fantastic. And thanks for joining me again. Uh, those of you who've been listening for a long time might remember Andrew from episode 46. And if you don't remember that episode, go back and listen to it. That'll kind of give you a background of, of Andrew and, and his company and what they're doing. But Andrew, just give a quick little... Uh, you know, background, and then let's give an update from episode 46. I think we just got done saying you at that time you had 466 units, I believe we said. And so where are you at today? Sure. Uh, well, brief overview, you know, kind of Wildhorn. We're, I'm based in Austin, Texas. We're a value add multifamily group looking for good quality assets and deals in Austin and in San Antonio, kind of really focused on the central Texas market, uh, taking advantage of our local relationships and market knowledge and just, you know, the, the sort of dumb luck of being from here and growing up in a, in a market that you know, remains incredibly appetizing from an investment standpoint. Um, as far as I guess, since, you know, we last spoke, what was that maybe two years ago? Yeah. Um, I guess, you know, we're about 1800 units, about eight deals, um, you know, continue to haven't deviated much from our kind of thesis about wanting to be in, in the major metro areas of central Texas and being in kind of good, good locations, you know, continue to stay relatively conservative as far as, uh, you know, what we're looking for and, and, you know, kind of our timeline horizons and obviously, you know, been able to grow some and find deals that, that feel like meet our criteria and, and get some scale, which has been pretty beneficial as well. So I know at one time you had talked about going out to Atlanta and maybe some other markets. Um, you guys were, whether it was just wanting to expand faster, or I can't remember the exact reason, maybe expand faster. You're having a tough time finding deals, whatever it was. Um, and now you've refocused. Well, I should mm-hmm. say now, that was a long time ago, but you refocused and said, no, we're going to stick to the markets that we know that were near what take me through that kind of process. Why did you first decide to go out or put look out there? Yeah. And then why did you say, Hey, we're just going to stick here. Yeah, I think the initial impetus was, you know, wanting to offer diversity to investors and, and feeling like, uh, you know, you and I talk 
a lot or I'll talk to other operators that kind of operate out of state and I'm always kind of just scratching my head. I'm like, man, it's, I don't know that I could do that, but also feel like maybe we should do that. And, and we wanted to offer some geographic diversity. And so we picked Atlanta, you know, cause it fed a lot of the, the criteria that we had as far yeah. as, you know, big market growth, job population, went out there six or eight times, you know, kind of did the whole rounds and studied up on the sub markets, met the brokers, chased a bunch of deals, built the, the team, had a property manager we were going to use. And I think at the end of the day, you know, got close on a few deals, uh, weren't getting anything over the hump and realized that, look, these deals aren't any better than what we're seeing at, at home. Yeah. Um, the, is the, is, and you've got the, the sort of headwinds of, you got to get on an airplane, you got to do some of that personal, you know, pain. But more than that, like you're starting all over with relationships. Yeah. You know, the property management's gonna be different. The title company's gonna be different. You know, just there's nuances around your underwriting, your insurance costs, your property taxes. That's all learnable. But when we weren't seeing that they weren't better deals, the cap rates weren't better, the return profile wasn't better, kind of said, and, and we just, you know, weren't being successful getting them. It's like, well, hey, let's spend that time and energy doubling back down, you know, on our home market which again is, you know, continues to rank up there as like the best place to be investing. And it's like, don't, don't be dumb. Um, and don't, don't try to do things differently. And, and let's just really be, be an expert and, and focus on where we know where we have extremely good relationships. And we know, you know, what's coming out, what's coming up, what's, who's buying, which pieces of dirt and developing stuff. And felt like that was our competitive advantage. Um, and so really have kind of have focused that back in around central Texas. Um, you know, so that, that was kind of the thought process about why we looked out and then, you know, why we're have kind of recircled the wagons here and, and staying local. So what would you say about that process? Was it worth doing that process? And if it was like, what were some key takeaways you, you really took from it? I think it was worth it. Um, you know, I think anytime you kind of go through a, an exercise and spend a lot of time and energy, you learn stuff. Uh, you know, we certainly spent a lot of energy, you know, just studying the Atlanta market. I mean, we, before we even picked Atlanta, we kind of canvassed the whole country, looked at, you know, all the big major metros you'd probably expect somebody like us to look at. Um, that was, I think, very beneficial and helpful and going out there and realizing that just as much as you wanted to try to build those relationships, that's hard. And I think one of the things we've really prided ourselves on is, is having great relationships. Unless you're there, you know, all the damn time and, you know, playing golf and going to the happy hours and running into people at, you know, kids basketball games on Saturday, like those little things that sort of matter and add up. It's obviously very hard to do uh, remotely. And I, I think by going through that exercise and, and understanding that, Hey, those are deals, the deals aren't better anywhere. It's, it's super competitive everywhere. You know, if we'd have found, you know, cap rates were hundred basis points better or returns were looked a lot better. It might it have been a different story, but that wasn't what we found. So I think it kind of re-emboldened us. Like it's not better anywhere else. You know, the grass is not greener. Um, like let's stay, let's stay where we are, where we have all those things. I just walked through. I do run into people playing basketball on the weekend. We can go golf. We can, I can pop over to a deal whenever I need to. Yeah. And there's a lot of benefit in that, you know, right there is what you said. I mean, we've got a, we've got a deal we're looking at out of state right now and completely off market, you know, just, just with the seller itself. And 
it's tough because the seller wants us to come look at the property before he'll really talk anymore. You know, we've been negotiating and he says, well, look, you got to come look at the property before we're going to come to it. Okay. Well now we got to go book our plane. We got to figure out what, what works, what works for the seller, what works for us. And instead of just being able to drive a half an hour, 45 minutes, or even a couple hours, but where we can do it anytime, any day. So well, but you know, to your point about, about that, like we've got a deal under contract right now and it was off market, kind of just what you talked about. We were talking to the owner that this all came about, you know, the second week of December, um, being local, you know, was sure you could have gotten this done out of market, could jump on a plane, go tour it, et cetera. But yeah, that's a super busy time of year. You got family stuff. It's just, it's yep. crazy holidays. Yeah. Able to run down there, you know, secret shop it, tour it. Hey, we're definitely interested. Uh, let's, let's go put this all together. And we were able to do that, you know, in the course of 48 hours, you know, really kind of do an initial underwrite and, and visit and everything that, that right. that's just, it's harder to do. It's not impossible. It's harder to do remote. Yeah. I mean, look, we're going to go down there. It's going to be just a day trip, but I'm going to, it's, it's, I'm gone all day, you know, leave uh, for the airport at 6 a.m., get home at, you know, 10 p.m., and I got to spend 500 bucks on a plane flight, mm -hmm. you know, and so by the time, and I got to rent the car, and so by the time you're all done, you know, you've got a full day out of it, and so it's definitely difficult. I, I hear the, you know, where you're going with that and, and definitely appreciate being able to invest at home. So now being at home – and I guess whether you're locally or out of state, you know, let's talk to us about how you guys have been successful in finding these deals. Cause you've done a lot of deals since we last talked. We you went from 466 units to what'd you say now? Uh, about 1800. About 1800. So and you've grown substantially in just a couple of years. Mm. Um, you've been able to close on some amazing deals. So how have you been able to, build those relationships. You've kind of hit on that already, but how have you been able to build those? What can you give our listeners as far as strategies that they can um, kind of utilize as well? I mean, so every deal we've bought has been with a broker relationship. Uh, I'd say half of them are off market. Looking back on it, half of them have been fully marketed, uh, but it's all been, you know, it was something we pride ourselves on is just, you know, maintaining those great relationships, you know, checking in, doing golf outings, showing up to tour stuff. Um, you know, I, I think you certainly have seen momentum as we've been able to close deals. You know, the, your phone starts ringing more and you don't have to make the calls as much. Uh, hey, I think this is a deal you guys are going to like. And, and some of that is just being very, very uh, consistent and crystal clear with, you know, sort of our criteria. So that, hey, this is a, this is a deal you guys are really going to like. Or I'd call them and ah, I'm mean, happy to show it to you, talk about it, but I don't think it's quite, you know, what you guys are looking for. And, and I trust their opinion now and, you know, they, they, they know we can perform, they know we'll close. And so I think reputation is, has a piece of that, uh, you know, the track record and then just having those, those relationships. I just can't stress it enough. I think, and that's probably the biggest reason, you know, we, we pulled out of Atlanta, you know, it was just the difficulty hundred percent doable, you know, but I kind of use the analogy of like where I think we've been successful locally is, is, most of the, particularly, you know, my, my focal point is we could, with each sort of brokerage shop, like one or two guys that I really, really want to have deep relationships with. I want everybody in that office to know me, but here's, you know, two guys that, that I'm, you know, just like I, I'm, I'm friends with and, 
they look a lot like me. They talk a lot like me. We all went to a Texas university, you know, whether it was UT or A&M or Baylor or whatever, play golf. We got kids the same age because I'm targeting guys that are, you know, like that mid thirties, 40 year old dude. Cause that's what I am. Um, even having that, you know, in Atlanta, it was similar strategy, but it was just, you know, ah, they went to us, they went to Georgia or they went to Auburn or that, you know, there was just, a, it's a little bit different. Um, and I, I think just having that, like the lifetime of experiences, you know, all, all the brokers here are mostly from here kind of grew up in Texas. And I think there's, I don't know if that's a Texan thing, you know, Texans are no, super it's proud it's every, and, everywhere thing, but it's yeah. like, you know, you're from here, you can talk here, you have yeah. those sort of shared common experiences, blah, blah, blah. Uh, that's been, you know, really helpful. And, and it helps the phone ring more often, uh, where, you know, we're getting the first look at a deal, or we're getting a here's a deal, we're not taking it to anybody else. Uh, you know, that's, that's the deal we got now, like, you, you're the one and only bullet we got to, to, to shoot, and we're calling you, you know, and that, that's a great feeling and kind of very validating. Uh, but that's taken, you know, that's four or five years worth of relationship work to get that. Yeah, a lot of good points there. And I invest out of state and, and I try to continue to build relationships with brokers in state to be able to have the opportunities. And I look at every deal around, but it, it definitely, it, there is a massive advantage or disadvantage, if you want to call it, of being out of state. You just don't have those relationships. I can't just show up to every event, you know, I'd be gone all the time. I can't just show up to every broker event. I can't just tour a property anytime. A lot of times I'm writing LOIs on properties. And then when I know I am close, then I'll schedule a flight out. And so there's, there's people that always, I think, discount their own state. You know, they say, well, the prices are high here. I've got to go somewhere else. I think you got to take a step back and, and realize that prices are high pretty much everywhere. And if they're not high, well, then what's the reason for that? There might be a, a reason that you don't even want to invest there as well. Take a look and deep, deep dive into your own home market before you start exploring everywhere else. Make sure that your own home market is a place that you think, okay, I just don't have inventory here to buy. And that's the case for me is there's just not inventory to buy. We sold no properties last year that would have really fit my, my criteria. So uh, sometimes it is a necessary evil, but for you, you've been successful at it. Let's talk about the deals you've done because you've done some, I think some, some awesome deals. Uh, I think you've had some good, really good um, investor kind of relationship, um, you know, and I guess just you've, you've changed some of your philosophies or some of your, you know, ways that you guys are, are approaching your investors. So I want to kind of dive into some of that stuff. So first of all, let's talk about the deals, some of the more recent deals you've done and how you've got them across the finish line. And then we'll dive into kind of the investors. Uh, sure. Sure. So I, you know, I think first off, any business that stays alive evolves a little bit. And so, yeah. you know, we, we certainly evolved our thinking some, and I think some, you know, we'll talk about that maybe with some of the, the equity structures and kind of how, what we're doing to compete there. Uh, on the deal size, you know, side, I don't know that we've changed our underwriting criteria at all. I think, you know, the, the last several deals we've done, uh, I'd say the last four, you know, two of them are early 2000s deals where they're like, you know, 2002, 2003. Yep. Two of them are kind of that 1980s vintage. And certainly in Texas, I think most of the country, you know, there was a big recession, late 80s, early 90s. So there's not a whole lot of product 
that was yep. built in the nineties. Yep. Um, so you kind of have this, this gap. So you're kind of looking at, you know, late, mid, mid, late eighties, but usually mid early eighties. And then it's kind of picks back up in like 2000. Um, we've bought a couple of those two, you know, early 2000s deals. I think that's the next crop and wave of value add stuff. Uh, you know, great bones, new, better construction quality, newer, I mean, so you look at it now, it's, it's, it's 20 years old. So yep. certainly in need of some, some potential TLC, depending who's owned it, you know, there could be some deferred, but even if stylistically, I mean, you walk in and say, yeah, that that's ready for a, a facelift. Yep. Um, so I think we're starting to look at, at more of that stuff um, and seeing that, you know, again, our kind of core thesis is how do we remove as much risk as possible? Well, there's less risk in a deal like that because it's newer. You know, you don't have an extra 30 years of 20 years of, of living in it and, and the systems and the pipes and just everything. So you're not going to have as many potential whammies and gotchas, you know, from an operations standpoint. So I think that that's, that's something we've, we've looked at. And, um, you know, I think as we've evolved our thinking a little bit on just the types of deals we want to go look for, you know, really probably have swung more towards looking at a, a newer deal like that and kind of, you know, those B plus uh, kind of conversations, you know, and, and I've had some interesting conversations with brokers and investors. Like you hear the term value add, and then you hear the term uh, core plus, yeah. you know, and like, well, what's the line of differentiates in there? You know, core is kind of your brand new downtown high rise location and build, you know, last five years core plus is like a step below that. But you're starting to look at like early mid 2000, you know, 2005 product, is that a value add deal? Is that a core plus? Who the hell cares? Yeah. But I think we're starting to look in more of that bucket where I think it's, you know, it's a little bit less risk because there's not going to be as many whammies, a little bit newer product um, and, you know, just a little bit more safety security because, uh, you know, I, th I think that that's what we're looking for. And that's kind of the message we're delivering to investors. You know, we, I tell people all the time, we're not here to, show you the highest marketed returns. You know, everything's risk adjusted. And my number one goal is not to lose your money. You know, we're, but we're investing in central Texas, which I think is the best market in the country to be investing. So that, that alleviates some concern and we're buying in good locations within that. So, you know, if, and when the, the economy slows down, the music stops, you can argue it may not stop here if it stops elsewhere. Uh, but it also is going to bounce back because we're, we're in good spots. And I think that's, that's kind of how we've, you know, evolved our thinking a little bit and, and started to look at more deals that fit that criteria versus the beginning. It was sort of like, we need a value add deal. We need a value add deal. Um, and you, know, you, you might look at a little bit broader set of, of potential assets. So as you're looking at these B plus A minus properties, I mean, one of the big reasons it sounds like is, is basically to mitigate a lot of risk. You feel like those products, and I would agree, tend to hold their value, tend to bounce back the quickest, uh, tenants like those properties. Mm -hmm. Um, is that, is that correct? Any other yeah. reasons why you like that B plus a minus? No. And I think the other piece would be location. You know, they're already yeah. going to be in the type of location that, that is good, you know, right. has potential to get better, but it's, it's a good location today. And I think we, we harp on that a lot, you know, yeah. I'm not buying an area that I hope the city takes a left turn and grows this way. I can point and show you like, Look, this this is all. Look at the retail around you. Look what's already happened. Uh, it's going to continue, but I know I'm in a good location, and I think yeah. you, you see that with some of the you know that that nicer product. So with that, and with these you know value add or or core plus, are you able to still hit 
um, of investor expectations and maybe you've just been able to change investor expectations or, you know, how, how are you doing that? Cause I, I would assume when you get less risk in your deal and you get that, mm -hmm. you're getting to that core plus, you're just going to have, but probably have to deal with a little bit lower return. So what do you, what are you doing in that aspect? Yeah. I, you know, again, I, I on an intro call an investor, 99 times out of 100, I'll probably make say that exact line. It's like, you're not going to see the highest marketed returns from us. Uh, and, and everything's in risk adjusted basis. So if you're looking at something that's a an 18 IRR today, you know, probably got to look at it. At, at why is that an 18? You know, there's, there's definitely an element of risk. Yep. Um, I also think, you know, for the most part, most investors that we've talked with, um, even some of the institutional guys we, we keep track with, I mean, everybody's expectations have come down. You know, it's not a market that, that 18s and 20s just falling off trees like they were, uh, you know, six, eight years ago. And then it became a 14 to 16. And now, it, I mean, honestly, it seems like it's sort of a 10 to 12 type market. Um, at least a lot of the stuff we looked at in Austin and, and you know, we're looking at deals and say, look, things are transacting. So stuff is still trading hands and somebody's buying it, somebody's selling it. They've got a different return expectation, different business model. What is it about? these deals that are allowing them to trade what's their core belief about rent growth or what they're going to be able to do to the property. Um, but yeah, we, you know, lower, lower returns, you're going to have lower risk. Um, and that's kind of, you know, that, that, that line we're walking, you know, I think we still are feel like we're, we're finding deals that provide an incredible return and certainly on a risk adjusted basis, uh, you know, an awesome, um, you know, something that we still believe in putting our own money in as well. But, uh, you know, I think we've, we've definitely kind of rallied more towards. Hey, we've got the North Star Real Estate Conference coming April 24th and 25th in Minneapolis. And this conference is going to be for everyone. We're covering the gamut of real estate. If you are just beginning, this conference is for you. If you have 100, 200, 500 units, this conference is for you. If you want to get into commercial real estate, this conference is for you. And the best part about the North Star Real Estate Conference is the networking. The networking is phenomenal. We've got high performers there. We've got amazing speakers and amazing attendees that are going to be adding a ton of value to your business. We can't wait to see you there April 24th and 25th. Check it out. I'll see you there. The other big thing we did starting a couple of deals ago um, is introduce a different equity structure on our deals. So after a lot, a lot of conversation of with, with investors, it's kind of what I spend most of my time doing. If I'm not looking at a new deal, I'm talking to investors. There's two different mentalities that, that we found. Um, you know, you've got a group of investors that want consistency and cash flow and less risk. And they want, you know, mailbox money, passive income, you know, typical persona of that person, take you back to my marketing days, you know, might be retired or, or high net worth, made my money. I don't, I take the risk off the table. I just need cash flow. Yep. You got a whole other, other group that wants wealth creation, you know, playing for the multiple, playing for the sort of appreciation value of real estate and, and what the forced appreciation want to create. Don't care as much about cash flow because I'm not, I'm not going to access that money today. And so that person might be a little bit younger might be investing with their self-directed IRA. They can't touch the cash flow anyway. You know, they're trying to build uh, wealth, totally different mentalities and mindsets to kind of polar opposites. 
having one class of equity, you're trying to serve both of those needs, you know, and you're kind of giving a blended mixed return. What we did is we separated out and we created an A class and a B class. The A class gets a 10% or 9% preferred return paid immediately. uh, But there's no upside. You're sitting in right behind the debt. You're getting paid first. So you're going to get a nine or 10% annualized return and you're going to get your principal back when we sell it. And if you want cash flow, it's you get in tax benefits as an equity owner, but that's like a, you know, kind of challenge you to go find something that, that is as good a return as, as that is with as little risk. So and it's the essentially, D's, I don't want to use the, the word guaranteed, but it's, it's a preferred. So they're getting paid first. Yep. So they're, they're seeing the temp if you can't pay it. Obviously it's still not guaranteed, but uh, it's probably as close to a guarantee as we can get without actually guaranteeing. Right. Um, yeah. It's very, very, very likely. That very that likely paid. that they gets paid. So they're getting that nine, ten percent, mm-hmm. and but they're getting no equity upside. So if the property sells and you guys make you know thirty million dollars in profits, they don't get to share in that. Correct. Okay. Correct. And 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 that. Well, then I'll walk you to the second piece. The second yep. piece, you sit behind the A's. You get a seven percent preferred return you get a lower cash flow. So you're kind of going into it knowing that we, we may or may not probably won't at least for the first few years hit that 7% cash flow. So that's going to accrue, but because the A's aren't participating in the upside, you get a lot more of the upside. So we're able to give a better equity multiple IRR, however you want to look at it from a, from an exit standpoint to the, to the investor that is looking for that. Um, and so, you know, going into it, I think we've, we've created a structure that fits the at- attitudinal and sort of risk tolerant benefits of two different camps of people um, within the within a single deal and and the response has been phenomenal and this is our our current deal I guess our our third one um, when we've done that and you know it, it 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 allows us what I like about it we get to have totally different type of conversations with our investors you know a much deeper level kind of not just why are you interested in real estate but what are you looking for and we can kind of start to you know put you in a different either bucket Yep. Um, and you kind of get to know them in a, in a better sort of more intimate way. Um, but it's allowed us to, to serve their needs better, which is kind of the end of the day, what, what we want to, what we want to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it, that, so that would allow, let's say if you were just to do the, the, the one structure that you kind of typically see, mm-hmm. you'd be able to pay your 7% PREF, you'd be able to give them their, their return at the sale. And, and let's just say you're making a, 15 IRR in that case, mm-hmm. or let's, let's call it a, let's call it a 12 IRR more, more realistically. Um, mm-hmm. In that case, in, in the case that you're doing, you're giving the 10% and you're also giving the equity. The 10% is getting the 10%, nine, yep. nine or 10%. Yep. But then the, the B share that's doing the, the equity, the 7% and they're splitting on the profits instead of that 12 IRR that we ought to realize, they're probably at a 14 IRR maybe maybe yep. even a 15 IRR. They just yep. take on the risk and no, I shouldn't say no, but limited cash flow. You might mm-hmm. not even average 7%. You might be paying back someone at seven at the sale, right? Cause yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, that, and that's exactly right. So, so when we, we, we rolled this out with, with a lot of, after a lot of thought and a lot of conversation and a little trepidation, kind of the first deal we took it out. <laughs> well, it had to be pretty nerve wracking. Let's, let's roll the dice here, see how it goes. Um, but it's, it's been, it's been phenomenal. The response has been great. Before we rolled it out, we went back and modeled every deal we had done. 
yeah. with this structure and see yeah. what was the difference. And we saw it was about about a 250 basis point lift on the okay. IRR uh, okay. to the to the B. So you're right. You know, you take a 12, uh, you made it, you've made it a 14 and a half. Yeah. You know, you, you've a one six multiples now like a one nine. Um, and I think those are meaningful moves. And again, yeah, yeah. if like if, if that's what you want, like like one nine, you know, two extra money in, in five years is kind of the what, what everybody wants anyway, like that we can still deliver that. And we've also got a, a sub segment of people that are super happy and content getting their mailbox money every quarter. Which one is getting more excitement, more traction? They're both hot um you know and i think again i'll go back to it it allows you to have these conversations that are just a lot more meaningful and um you know it defies logic a little bit at least in my mind but kind of one of our biggest single investors you know loads up on the b and you would think that you know somebody putting a million dollar plus into a deal would put it in the a and kind of give me the conservative give me my 10 percent yeah He's like, no, I, I I like the risk and and I'm I'm risk tolerant. I like the upside. Like um, the upside. That's a but that's a conversation. Like I I know a lot about him now and his mindset and kind of what he's looking for. And you have yep. totally different types of conversations because we now know that. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, really interesting. And I like that structure a lot because I've had a lot of conversations similar to that with my investors, and I haven't offered a a, a different structure other than my just traditional. But I've had a lot of investors that say, look. I, I just, something's easy and, you know, safe. That's what I'm looking for. So mm -hmm. if you've had, if you had a 10%, yeah, that would be great. Uh, that's what I would want to do. So I think it's, it's smart on your, your part, your company part by just saying, look, let's figure out what our investors really want and let's try to offer both. Like mm -hmm. some investors are here, some investors are there. Let's, let's give them both. And you really put a lot of thought into that. And man, that first deal had to have been just very kind of nerve wracking a little bit to see if it would, it would actually happen the way you thought it would. How much was that was. raise, by the way? Uh, that was our biggest raise to date you know, <laughs> at the time. And it, I think we did uh, like 18 million, wow. 17 million. Wow. So it was, that's awesome. you know, we, we made the commitment. We were going to roll this structure out kind of whatever the next deal looked like. And when we could, this, it happened to be this deal and the biggest raise and, and we almost didn't, but we said, no, look, we need to try it. And I think that was part of the evolution of what we're trying to continue to do and be as, as Wildhorn as, you know, evolve with the times. And look, if we're going to, if we're going to plant the flag around central Texas and be the experts here and, and provide, you know, deals, we got, we got to get creative. And I think that's yeah. one of the fun parts about being, you know, entrepreneurial is like we talked about earlier, you see deals are transacting, you know, record volume in, in Austin and San Antonio, like, People are buying these deals. Who are they? What are they doing? You know, how, how can we be competitive on that front? How can we solve an issue and a problem that, that we have with the investors? And we feel like took a risk and, and it's been good. And, and frankly, I don't, I don't think we'll go back. You know, I think we, we really like this, this dual structure and we'll, we'll continue to roll that out until, until we want to try something else you know, or until, until we feel like the market's saying, hey, you need to, need to change shift, shift lanes again. Yeah, yeah, good point. Um, so what's, you know, what's coming next? Where are you guys, what are you seeing as far as, you know, opportunity, wanting to grow, wanting to maybe, maybe wait, um, you know, other segments, like where's Wildhorn going right now? 
I'm trying to be opportunistic. You know, I, I think we are just, I, I try not to drink the Kool-Aid too much of like, oh, we're in Austin, you know, everything's sunny and, and it's, it's just, it's, everything's going vertical and going great. Um, but we, you know, you look around, you talk to people from out of town. I had breakfast with a, an institutional guy from New York this morning and, you know, he's talking about their next fund and you got Austin and it, it's, it's officially on their list of, of markets for this new fund they've got with, along with, Seattle, New York, Philadelphia, San Francisco, South Florida, it's like an Austin, you know, sort of what it doesn't, hmm. doesn't necessarily compute. Uh, but within that context, we want to be opportunistic, you know, so certainly spending all of our time looking for value add multi deals, you know, kind of like we've talked about that is that is what we want to see and do. Uh, but looking at, you know, we're looking at some opportunity zone stuff in Austin, I think as we've d- rolled up our sleeves there and dug in, there's some really advantageously located opportunity zones um, that, frankly, I don't know that they needed to encourage development in, in those you know sectors of the city. It was already kind of happening, but is there an do we have the ability to capitalize on that? Yeah. Um, is there you know with local relationships? Is there starting to look at you know value add multi deals that could potentially be redevelopment plays? And do you mm-hmm. start to we're starting to you know talk to some developer buddies of ours like hey this is a it's not ready yet but if if this is a five-year or a seven-year horizon on this you know main corridor um you know we can go execute our value add play what do you guys think about the land value and where is that going um so thinking thinking about along those lines and really just trying to leverage the relationships we've got in central texas to to be you know opportunistic around cool value add real estate yeah, good, cool. Um, what's a what's a favorite book that you can pass on to listeners? I know I asked you this before, but maybe you'll give me a different one. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, trying to think, the you know, I think it depends what you're looking for, right? And and are you are you a passive investor? Are you are you trying to you know change the way you think about life? Uh, the book that started it for me was Millionaire Real Estate Investor, Gary Keller, you know, kind of local Austinite hero. Um, you know, I think reading that and Rich Dad, Poor Dad were kind of what what started it for me. Um, you know, the the frankly, the books that I read the most right now are typically like biographies. Um, I just just read. I, I don't read. I listen. I did. But I just listened to Shoe Dog, uh, the Phil Knight mm, memoir. Yep, Phil Knight, yep. That was awesome. Um, just so many lessons about, you know, entrepreneurial thinking, risk taking, you know, traveling the world and, and just rucking up to a factory in Japan and saying, I'm, I'm, I want to represent your shoes in, in America. Like, it just takes, takes fortitude and, and just, you know, like, I think the more you read those stories, you, you know, for me, you just realize like success is, is not an accident, you know, you're yeah. in, and you're not lucky. Like you're in the right place because you've put yourself in that place. Um, so I love, I loved reading that book and it just kind of reinforces a lot of the, the thinking that, you know, we're trying to subscribe to just as trying to be good entrepreneurs. What can our listeners do to put themselves in the right place? Got to take action. Like, you know, you gotta, you gotta figure out what it is that you want and, and go after it. I mean, I quit my job 
to go do this business, uh, you know, but well, long before we had 1800 units, uh, you know, we, we, we had, I had a portfolio of 75 personal units and I said, we want to go to the big deals because I believe in the, in the business plan and the efficiencies and went all in to go, go do it. Um, and I worked, we've worked really, really hard to, to build the platform and build the business. So whether you're trying to start your own business or you're trying to go, you know, meet people to invest with or, whatever he's trying to get healthy. I mean, you like nothing's an accident. You have to be intentional about whatever it is you're doing. And so if you want to be successful, like you got to define what that looks like for you and then, then, you know, start taking steps. It's, it's, it's super easy to listen to podcasts and read books like Phil Knight's and say, man, that's super cool. Like, okay, well, what do you learn from that? How do you go? How do you go move forward? How do you actually implement it into your daily business? Yeah. Yeah. And, And you, you, uh, quit your job you started buying these multifamilies and then you went and sold your portfolio, your smaller portfolio as well. Right. Did you sell it all? Yep. Sold it all. Don't have any sold of it, it left. And yeah. so you just said, Hey, I'm all in, I'm going to go all in on this multifamily. This is what I believe in. This is what I'm going to do. And uh, yep. it seems like it's working out for you. It is. It is. And you know, we got kind of sort of two deals in and I realized that, it felt like this thing was going to work. Number one, it also felt like the small stuff was a distraction hmm. and I didn't want to be messing around with that. Knowing, you know, just the, the responsibility we don't take lightly of we, we are the stewards and protectors of people's hard earned money. Yeah. Um, yeah. I tried to eliminate all distractions and, you know, messing around with my own duplexes and fourplexes and like, wasn't a good use of my time. Um, and, you know, we kind of divested all of that and freed up some capital to put in our deals. And, and just before than anything, it was the, like, we're, we're focused, you know, we're taking action. Were you able to 1031 that, uh, profit or did you just take the hit? Uh, we took the hit. Um, you know, I think part of, uh, some, some of the reasons for selling that stuff was the operating capital you know, that, that you yeah. need to go chase these deals. Uh, yeah. so we needed, got to show bank liquidity, you know, you got to have pursuit costs, earnest money, you know, like gag worthy amounts of earnest money that you still put up and you know, <laughs> I still pucker up when you wire those, that money over. Um, so that, that was a part of it. So we, we took the hit and just said, Hey, this is operating capital for the business. And yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. I mean, that's, that just shows though, when we were just talking about you're committed, I mean, you're fully committed. It doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen because you just are sitting around and people are calling you with, with properties. That's not, that's not how it happened for you. It's not how it happened for anybody. Uh, you've got to be in the right place at the right time, but you've got to be taking action the whole time. Yep. And it takes time. You know, I think the other <laughs> thing is, is the lesson that we had kind of late last year, you know, we're sitting here in, in January, we did, we're talking about this before we started recording. I think we did sort of one and a half deals last year. We did, we did a, a big sort of syndicated deal and we did a 1031 deal with a partner, um, which not count as a half a deal. Uh, but we were, you know, frustrated. It's like, man, we're, we're, we're grinding and we're chasing deals and we're underwriting deals and we're putting offers in and it's just, it's yeah. not working. Um, you know, getting this deal sort of off market at the end of the year, like totally validated all of the heartburn and heartache and sweat and tears that we put in all last year. And you felt like, God, is it just, we're just like one deal. That's, that's the, that's the fruit of all of this labor, you know? And I think you continue to see, like, you just got to consistently 
be out there doing that work. You know, we've got this deal. I got a call yesterday, another off market deal. Nobody else is getting a look at it, you know, and, and we're digging in. I was like, I'll let you know by the end of the week. Um, so it's, it's going to, you're going to have peaks and valleys, but you've got to be out there every single day putting in the work. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, I, I did one deal last year and I was just like, man, this is, this is crazy. One deal. That's all I did. And you know, now I've got a couple deals here that look like they're going to be closing and you just, you just don't know. I mean, you put all that time in, you got to keep on grinding and eventually it'll come. Yeah. So like you said, it's not, it's all, it's a, the long game. It's not all about the short game. Yep. So then get rich quick deal. Uh, last question I got for you before we wrap up, what are your three pillars of wealth creation? And I did not ask you that question before because that wasn't even. <laughs> My three, three pillars, uh, you know, I, I say plant seeds, you know, is kind of probably a, a, I sort of view every deal we do as a pillar, honestly. Um, and kind of take the mentality that, that, that we're planting seeds. Uh, you know, we're investing in these deals. Our investors are investing in them and we're going to harvest them over the next several years. Hmm. Yeah. More deals, more, more seeds. You know, each of those is a, is a pillar of, of wealth. I mean, that the idea is to, you know, get close to, for the, for the class B folks kind of double your money. Uh, that's yep. how you go create wealth. Yep. Do it in, if you can do that every five years, uh, hell you do it every seven years with, with little to no risk. Like that's what it's all about. Yep. Yep. Cool. Uh, how can our, how can our listeners get in touch with you? Um, you know, I'm pretty easy to find Wildhorn Capital, but the website is www.wildhorncap.com. My email is just Andrew at wildhorncap.com. We've got a Facebook page and, and LinkedIn and all those things, but, uh, you know, email or just going to the website, pretty easy to, easy to grab a hold of us. Awesome. We'll throw that in the show notes and uh, so everybody can get in touch with you. Andrew, appreciate it. Appreciate your time, ton of value you're able to add and congratulations on the success and continued success. Thank you. Appreciate it. Enjoyed it. And uh, we'll have to do this again in another couple of years. Yeah, there you go. Have a good rest awesome. of the day. Thanks. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. It's a rating and review. just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to venturedproperties.com, venturedproperties.com and download our free ebook uh, on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and, and also, look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out, and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.